Black Monopoly presents Dope Dialogue. What's good, y'all? This is Dope Dialogue presented by Black Monopoly. Today we got on Chuck Walton. Mm-hmm. Big legend, man. What's up? What's going on, man? Chilling, chilling. How you? I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be, you know, on the show. Um, obviously, you know, you're doing your thing. I'm a big supporter, so uh, it's a blessing to be here. Appreciate the love, man. For sure. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Miles too. Miles in the cut for linking us up. Definitely shout out to the legend Miles in the cut, man. He's uh, he's doing a lot of big things, man. Sure. So shout out to him and everybody over at Atlantic and Highbridge and you know they doing their thing. Smooth. Every time I ask somebody, you know, give me some like some background on Chuck just so I get an idea. Everybody yeah. says, man, he does everything. He's a supreme dot connector. Yeah. A man that makes it happen. Yeah. How would you describe what you do? Well, lately I've been saying that I'm a mix between uh, the Black Godfather and World Wide West, you know? Uh, I'm like a hybrid, but uh, I do do everything. Um, I think my title is that I have no title. Uh, I'm about winning titles, you know? I got some championship rings and stuff like that along the way. But yeah, I just don't like to be labeled or boxed in. Um, I've never been about that. I've always been a big dreamer, but also a big go-getter. Um, I'm the kind of person like I feel like I can do multiple things at once and do them well. You know, so, some people have to just focus on one thing and they can go to the next. Uh, different strokes for different folks, but yeah, I'm just a, a all-around guy. You know, um, I feel like I could win the video game championship if I'm playing video games, or you know, uh, if I was a garbage collector, I would want to be the best garbage collector. And maybe I could do both. You know, so I just try to like try new things, meet new people, and you know, find where I fit in and be the best in my job. Oh man, that's a perfect. Like, way to play it out like that, <laughs> for sure. And we're going to get back to that uh, winning titles part two. But just to kick it off, could you give, like, a brief just flow of where you come from? Where, like, you know, what city, what mm-hmm. environment, what was it like growing up? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, um, as you see, you know. Oh, got you. Yeah, I keep the city on me. Um, but I was actually born um, in L.A. I was born um, in Chino Hills, actually. And I lived out there until I was, like, five. Then I moved to Chicago. Um, my dad wanted to take the family back home because um, obviously that's where all of my family on his side is from. Um, when I was younger, I spent a lot of time in Oakland, California as well, uh, which is my mother's hometown. So like I said, I've always, I've always kind of been like multi-hyphenated, like a hybrid, just even as a kid. Like, so like I grew up you know, in Chicago, but I spent my early years like in the LA area and then a lot of my, my time in, in, in Oakland, California. You know, So uh, I think that's why you know, I got all the game that I got because I was soaking it up from multi, you know, multi different places and cities. Uh, but you know, Chicago is what I represent. That's my hometown. Um, that's where you know, I got you know the game. You know, from my dad and all my uncles and you know the OGs and everybody that, that helped raise me up. Um, so I spent my time out there, and then from um, from there, I did junior college um, in in the city as well, and then. I ended up going uh, to D.C. I transferred to Howard University, the Mecca, the world's greatest school. Uh, I was literally with with some people the other day and um, some high profile people and we were talking and I was like, yo, there's no place like Howard. Like we got the, we have the greatest alumni like there is. Like it's not, it's not even close. Like from politicians to actors, athletes, like we do it all. So um, D.C.'s like a hometown to me as well. Very special. Shout out to the 202, you know, Georgia Avenue, Uptown. Um, and yeah, I left DC and uh, came to LA, and that's where I've been since uh, 2014. So this is home now, you know. Got you. 
So what about LA made you make it home? Like what made you settle down here? Well, like I said, I was born here. So gotcha. I was always the kid back home in Chicago that was always like, well, I'm really from LA. Like, you know what I mean? Because I rooted for a lot of the LA teams and stuff. Like my college team was USC. Cause like that was my dad's team growing up. Uh, it was, I think maybe the first sports game I went to it was either them or UCLA. Like just, I always was into like the LA sports scene. Uh, and then growing up in Chicago and being such a Michael Jordan fan, you know, um, I was young when Mike was doing his thing, but we used to go to the games, you know, I used to you know, go crazy, cry if we, if we almost lost the game, you know. Uh, but then, like, obviously when Mike was transitioning out, Kobe was, was coming in, and I was like, you know, that was my favorite athlete, like, almost even more than Mike. Like, they like this to me, you know what I mean? Sure. So um, that was always the goal. Uh, coming out of high school, my goal was to, to get into USC, and then I realized you had to have, like, <laughs> you know, crazy GPA. And uh, unfortunately, you know what I mean? I didn't take, you know, the books as serious as I should have, which is something I want, like, young kids to, like, you know, look at and, you know, be on top of, which is how I ended up at the JUCO. So when I was leaving Howard, um, I got a job offer from the NFL Network, and then I did my math and did my research, and I was like, oh, snap, looked up the location. It was in Culver City, so I put two and two together. I'm like, that's, that's L.A., and I was like, I was almost sold. I had like a lot of offers on the table, but it was just like, it was like my goal was to was to come back out here, but I didn't want to be one of the people that just came out here like just to just come out here. I wanted to come out here and, and be set up um, to succeed. Um, gotcha. The good Lord made that happen. Smooth. So you said you got an offer from NFL Network. Mm -hmm. What was your major in college and how'd you land that opportunity? Yeah, my major was uh, in broadcast journalism. Um, so I was in the School of Communications, John H. Johnson School of Communications. Uh, at our university um when i got there you know i, I got lucky because I, I met my mentor a man by the name of ed hill jr who's like uh I, there's probably very few people in the world that are as connected as, as him i mean like it's like a short list and uh i mean this man had me in the white house he had me at the wizards games he had me like and i mean i was in there you know um so that's kind of how that happened like I, I was a broadcaster uh I got my first internship with BET, uh, which was unpaid. They pay their interns now, you know, you know. I was a little ahead of my time. Uh, but I learned a lot during my internship there. This girl named Successful Brim hooked me up with that. Um, shout out to her. Um, I bumped into her in the club a while back. So shout out to her. She kind of like kickstarted me in the industry side of things. Um, and then Howard needed a, a voice to call their sports events. And they didn't have one in quite some time. In fact, they hadn't had one that I guess was like on like a serious level since uh, Gus Johnson, who's now like the broadcasting GOAT. Um, and um, when he was doing it, the games were on tape delay. So they had never done it live because, you know, Howard is an HBCU. So we lack funds and things like that, that like, you know, the PWIs, you know, just have naturally. So we have to make do, you know, we got to turn sugar and, you know, and the wine and, you know, do all that type of stuff. So. Uh, one day, you know, Mr. Hill, they asked me that I want to take the role, and I was like, cool. I always wanted to be Stuart Scott and those guys. Like, that was always my goal, like, since I was little. So I took on the job. I didn't know, however, that they needed me to do the girls' games as well. So it was, it was kind of like heavy duty, heavy lifting. Um, so I broadcast all the women's games and the men's games, you know, basketball and football. Uh, it was the best experience, you know, so... Mr. Hill and um, Ricky Clemens um, actually put that together for me for the Howard Sports Radio Network. Um, so I became like the first official voice and uh, we were able to like do like the first live broadcast and stuff from the school. 
Um, and we got a lot of people that were tuning in and um, I just got to really cut my teeth. I learned a lot um, about just how to stay humble and um, how to be a team player um, and just about the business. Um, and I learned about uh, just the tradition because there were so many broadcasters that either went to Howard or, or got their start at the school before me, like Michael Wilbon, you know, Stan Verrett, Steve Weich, Gus Johnson, um, Daryl Ledbetter, um, Jim Trotter, like the history strong. So um, I took the job very serious uh, and, you know, it was great. And it led to just a lot of opportunity for me. Smooth. How'd you score a mentor like Ed? You know, kind of how I met, met you, right? Just talking to people. Um, I had a friend in college who was my best friend um, and he knew him already. And so a couple days he'll be like, man, come with me. I, I got to do this work study. And so, uh, well, Mr. Hill is retired now. So I, I, I was like, what kind of work study is this? You didn't do any work, you know, because he was just cool like that. I was like, you just showed up and talked to him, you know. Um, and I just started talking to him. But we would never talk about like, you know, like work study stuff. It would just be about life, like music, Marvin Gaye. And I think he kind of saw us kind of like an old soul. And he was like, wow, where are you from? And I said, Chicago. And, you know, he's well-traveled and a worldly man. So we would talk a lot about life and, you know, fatherhood and different things like that. Um, and I think he appreciated the fact that, like, you know, I could spend time in his office without just chasing all the pretty girls in the yard all day long, you know? Um, and, you know, before you know it, he just started inviting me out to, you know, family barbecues and, and his entire family became my family. I mean, we're, we're pretty much blood at this point, you know, me and the Hill family. Um, and I had no idea, like, his relevance to just um, African-American culture um, and basketball culture, you know, the family. I mean, like, there's nobody that came through D.C., like, that doesn't know who Mr. Hill is, you know? So um, shout out to Huck. We call him Huck. You know, without him, you know, there is no me. Smooth. Yeah. Speaking to you before, uh, you clarified that broadcasting led to that championship, to that ring. Yes. Could you clarify, like, could you give that story? Yes. So, I mean, that was kind of cool. So, um, like I said, Mr. Hill and Mr. Clemens got me into, you know, the broadcasting. Right when I was about to graduate in 2014, like April 2014, uh, Mr. Clemens invited me and really he invited, like, everybody that was kind of, like, um, in the sports management, like, broadcast department to um, New York. And it's funny, like a lot of the kids like didn't go for whatever reason, but uh, my one of my best friends, Serafina Hamer and uh, Nakia McFarland, they took the trip because Nakia was from Brooklyn, so she wanted to go home anyways. So she's like, "You guys can just stay at my house," and I was like, "Great!" And you know, we got these tickets to Yankee Stadium. We got to like meet the players, and they took us on the field, and we met all these big wigs. And um, I was just working the room, man. And um, I remember they went home. You know, women want to get themselves together. I was like, I'm staying up here, man. I'm in New York. And so I was networking at like every event, you know, before like the, the opening ceremony or whatever. And uh, I got to meet Rob Manfred, who's now, you know, the commissioner um, for baseball, stuff like that. I was meeting all these people. And so um, I interviewed, it was like a seminar. So I interviewed with the White Sox. That's my hometown. My whole family is from the south side of Chicago. You know what I mean? Like my whole family, like, you know, the Robert Taylor projects. Uh, so I was like, I got to, you know, that's the crib, you know, I got it. Sure. Then I interviewed with the Cubs reluctantly. But at that time, I was open to even going back home, like post-graduation. So I was like, let me just see what's up with the Cubs. And I interviewed with this lady with the San Francisco Giants because my mother, like I said, she's from Oakland, but she grew up a diehard Giants fan. Her father, my grandfather, um, 
you know, they were really into baseball. So I just did it just so I could tell my mom, like, you know. And they also had one of the only African-American HR people that was at the conference. So I felt like I had to connect with my people. And so I told her about my mom's love for, you know, Juan Marichal was her favorite player. If you're a baseball fan, you know that name. And so the lady was like, wow, you know, I really like you. If you come to the Bay, I'll like hook you up with like the interview with like the people that run the team. And so um, I flew to the Bay and I interviewed with like three people. She was one of them. And the second person was a man by the name of Paul Hodges, um, who was like an exec at the team. And he was like, wait, so you do your own podcast? You do all of this? And this was like before podcasting was really like, you know, like, yeah, man, like I edit the whole nine. So he's like, yo, why don't you go to lunch with me? And I was like, man, I got a flight back to D.C. like after this. And then I remember like debating, like he didn't call me right away. I was like me and my dad riding around, like just riding around. I'm like, man, you know. So this man literally called me right when I was boarding the plane. And I debated like missing the flight. But then I was like, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll be meant to be. So flew home. He kind of called me one time. Nothing really came of it. So by then I had to make a, a move. So I had all these job offers. Um, because I had did this feature um, on this HBCU network that was launching this man named Curtis Simons and these people did this big feature from BET like they followed me my last year of college they followed me like around with a camera and like so in the feature I shouted out my other mentor who basically uh, he actually got me into Howard University uh, on some crazy stuff um, and he ended up being like the last person to interview Michael Jackson um, he just passed away uh, a couple months ago so Rest in peace to Mr. Monroe. Yeah, he saved my life. But um, so I shout him out, do this feature. So like I'm buzzing now. So I got all of these offers. I ended up doing this big piece with Don Lemon on CNN and it went viral. Um, and it was basically centered around Donald Sterling when he had said the N-word and like got alienated from the team. They had to kick him out the whole nine. And I wrote this piece and it went viral, went number one. And so coming out of that, I had all these job offers. So when the guy from you know Paul I just didn't call me I was like man I gotta I gotta go um, but also luckily I still was working at ESPN 980 in DC at the time like I, I was working at ESPN while I was in school so I was like man I got options but I really wanted to kind of see if I could leave DC and the NFL was right there so I leave and then I started the NFL Network and like maybe two or three months into the job the guy calls me. Paul calls me the night before one of the, the Warriors games. It was either like the home opener or like the second home opener of the season. And he says, hey, uh, you know, I got good news and bad news. I said, well, give me the bad news. He said, the bad news is I'm not with the Giants anymore. So instantly in my head, I'm like, well, why are we on the phone? You know, he goes, well, the good news is, you know, I'm with the Warriors. I'm over there helping them with all this new stadium stuff. And I'm running like basically like the whole entertainment department, like, you know, um, and I want you to like come be a part of this with me. Now, at this time, the Warriors are just another NBA team. You know, Steph's on the team, but they just another team, you know? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is cool. So, you know, I cut like a, a one-off promo video for them to open up the season, and uh, it was fire. Uh, and my guy, Michael Leslie and Ari Glick, who was the creative director of the team, um, which I didn't know at the time. They like laid some dope edits over my voice and stuff and uh, we put it out and it went viral. And then um, they told me to come to the, to, the, to the game, you know, to see it in person. So uh, I got the day off work, flew up to Oakland. Um, they let me take my cousin Cordell to the game. And you know, this is a kid that grew up in Oakland. You know what I mean? He from the soil, from the turf. Um, and you know, we're three days apart. Like we more brothers than cousins, you know? So I got to take him to the game. 
and look how God worked. The team they played that night was the LA Lakers. And so I ended up, I was in the owner's box and I tell Paul and them, I'm like, yo, this is great, thankful. I'm a diehard Laker fan though, like Kobe my favorite. And so uh, I remember Ari um, took me down like down the court side with my cousin and we sat right behind Kobe uh, for like the second half of the game. And uh, I still got like all these great pictures from that day, man. So uh, after that, I guess, I didn't do it the next game, they lost. The owner came back, I guess he's superstitious, and um, he was like, he wanted everything the same. So they basically signed me up for the season, and we won the whole M NBA championship. Like, Damn. and it, obviously you know the rest is history with the Warriors, and so I never looked back, it was crazy. And that's God working, like everything that led up to it, that line like that, the owner coming down saying when everything the way it is. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah, man. That's divine invention right there. Yeah, so it's, how it's did God. you grow and pivot from that and then maximize yourself to where you are now uh well I, I stayed with them you know for a couple of years and what was cool was like because of because I, I explained to Paul like that I couldn't move to the bay because I had just signed my lease down here one and two I just signed with the NFL you know so I was on contract so uh, he was like you know basically like the work with me and so basically how I transitioned from, from that point on was um you know, I was able to like contract myself out with the team, but I still got all the, st the staff benefits. Like the Warriors are just like A1 organization. So uh, I basically went from there to, uh, I started picking up because like the bigger the Warriors got, the bigger my name got because I was affiliated. So like when I'm going to the games, I'm not, you know, I'm on the court, I'm doing, I'm doing all the same stuff that like, you know? So I would go to, to events in LA and people would be like, oh, that's Chuck from, you know, Golden State. And I was getting introduced like that. And so I know how to like just kind of maximize each situation and keep networking. And so um, that would lead to just different opportunities. You know, I ended up getting a stint with TMZ Sports. Um, shout out to Van Lathan um, and Michael Babcock and Harvey and Evan and everybody over there. So I was at the TMZ thing and I was just stacking from there, meeting people, you know, doing cool stories, fun stories. Um, you know, I went from there to... Uh, you know, like like these startup companies would start reaching out to me, just wanting me to do like quick video hits or like be like a brand ambassador, you know, giving you four or 5,000 a month just to do stuff like that, you know? So things would just start happening like that, you know? But I know how to get in the room and make the room work for me, you know what I mean? And I think that's how I kind of like transitioned. Um, and then once I, I left uh, Golden State, um, I had like a little down period. And then um, the Howard Network, um, a mentor of mine, had a connection with uh, LeBron and Mav, Maverick Carter. Um, um, my guy, he works at ESPN, he, uh, Marcus Matthews, he went to uh, Howard, you know, he's been working at ESPN for years. So he's, I mean, uninterrupted, is looking for, you know, a podcast producer. So he connected me to this guy named Andrew Hawkins, uh, who just won an Oscar um, for um, Hair Love, and he's just won an Emmy, like, Hawk is the man. But I had already knew Hawk, because when I was at TMZ, I did a couple stories with Hawk. So like, you know, I knew him a little bit, you know, so he remembered me and then um, there was this guy named uh, Tunde, um, TD we call him, and they were kind of like doing the hiring process. So I went up to Uninterrupted, met with them, you know, at, uh, at Brian and Mav's office. And then uh, next thing I know, they gave me the gig. And so I got into the fold with them on the podcast producing side. Um, and then I started bringing in some people like to kind of come on the shows and Hawk was like, wait a minute, like, you should probably be on the athlete relations team because I have a lot of relationships. So they moved me from the podcast team. I kind of was doing both, really. Like, they still had me doing podcasting, but they moved me to 
what they call an AR team, um, you know, with Jimmy Spencer and the guys. So I was working with them, uh, booking uh, athletes and bringing them in and getting them on platform for different things that we were doing, uh, like the shop on HBO, you know, Chasing Doe, you know, uh, all the dope stuff that they're doing over there. Uh, so, you know, that was a great experience, you know, so, uh, you know, I did that and then um, I ended up launching my, uh, my management company and that's how I kind of transitioned to where I'm at now. Got you. So before we touch on the management company, what's, I'm pretty sure there's like a lot of work and factors to it, but what's one gem you could drop about making the room work for you? Um, being strategic about the rooms that you go into, you know, you got to get to that point early um, in life, early in your career. You have to know that like, uh, no matter where you are at in your career, what position that you think you're at, you know, like people still have to respect you as a person. You know, like a lot of people are intimidated by the room. I'm never intimidated by anybody. You know, I think I'm the, the greatest person to ever live. You know what I mean? So like your confidence has to be like on that peak, like because without confidence, like you're nothing. You're, you'll be, you'll shelter your own mind. So that's how you make the room work for yourself. You have to know you deserve to be in that room. Um, and like I said, one thing I didn't like about LA when I first moved here was that I would be at these industry mixers or whatever and people would walk up to me and they would go, what do you do? like I hate that because it's like one I have a name two hello you know good evening you know what I'm saying like and three it's like does that even matter like I'm in the same space as you you know we can get to that like but let's have normal human interaction and conversations first you know what I mean um and then then I'll tell you all the cool stuff that I'm doing and then if it makes sense that we can do some business you know what I mean but I want people to know who I am as a person first because like if we're gonna be you know doing business together like it's very important that you know my character and like where I come from and stuff like that uh, but yeah you got to make the room the room work for yourself by going in the room with, with pure intentions and just knowing that you deserve to be there you know no matter where it is you could be in the White House like if you somehow make it in there you deserve to be there you know God put you there for a reason so once you look at the game like that the game slows down for you and you just execute whatever vision you're trying to do Smooth. Yeah. So like onto the, the management company, what led you to creating the, the management company and what tools do you need to create that vision that you have for it? Got you. Um, well, what led me into management was I kind of already was doing management for like, I was doing homeboy management, you know, for a lot of my, my friends that are like, you know, high profile athletes or entertainers. Because I just like to help people, right? Wait, so I, you said homeboy management, like what's that? Well, homeboy management is when I'm not monetizing, like you know, gotcha. my own skills, right? Like that's what I was saying is I didn't realize my own strength and my own power because I'm a talker, I'm a friendly person, I meet people easy, and I just like to help. So for years I've been helping a lot of like a lot of big people for just the love. You know, I was doing things for them because I I, I was able to get access to certain rooms that you know the average person can't just get into. So to me, it's like, oh, you should meet this person. But then it's like, wow, this is like a bag. Like, this is like, I literally saw friends of mine that I was taking to like these like extraordinary events, right? And then I seen them go to that same event, maybe, a, you know, a year prior. And I'm like, oh, you were already there? Or like, you know, their homeboy went that I know. And they're like, yeah, man, I paid this PR person like $10,000 for that. So I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I doing? Um, but again, I had my, my nine to five, you know, I was doing my thing at Uninterrupted and, you know, all these other great things I was doing. You know, I have my, you know, the fantasy football company that I'm a part of with uh, Tony Romo and Andy Albert. So like I had different things where I wasn't thinking about that. Um, and then one night I was actually uh, in North Hollywood leaving a premiere, uh, a boomerang premiere, actually, for a friend of mine, uh, uh, Bria Murphy. 
um, and you know, from the Murphy family, and she uh, was like, "Yo, you know, we've been doing all these side things together." You know, she's like, "I want, I want you to manage me," because she's you know, actress and in, into in, the art space and stuff. And I was like, "Wow," and I was like, "Well, let me sleep on it." And then you know, I called her the next day, and she was serious. And I was like, "Well." You know, I don't even know the first step. I was like, that's the first step is to get the LLC, you know, come up with a name. Um, and, you know, she was, you know, with my friend at the time. And he was, uh, he's like, yo, you know, I'll, I'll hook it up. Like, let's put it together. Let's do it together. So we went into business together. Um, we, and we started, like, doing the management thing and, like, taking meetings for her art stuff. And, like, that's when I got to really see, like, the management space and, and what it really took. You know what I mean? Um, so I did that for a little bit. And then... Um, you know, then my girlfriend got pregnant, then the pandemic hit, and then that's when things was just kind of like haywire, you know what I mean? Um, and then I woke up one day, and I was like, we had the baby, and I was like, oh man, I think I'm kind of like leaning into more of the producing side, because, you know, I was doing this management stuff, but like, I was in these rooms where it was like, people kind of wanted me to produce these things, so I was like, that might be a different situation. So that's when I ended up just doing my own thing, you know, parting ways with my partner, um, you know, mutual. Um, and that's when I launched Living Legends Group, which is what I'm doing now um, and producing a lot of the coolest things that, you know, you guys should be seeing here in the next like 12 to maybe 24 months. Smooth. It's a process. Smooth. What does that process entail in terms of like, well, building Living Legends mm -hmm. and, you know, creating these amazing things you got coming what's that process until um hard work dedication uh mental toughness because you know i launched that company uh in the pandemic you know um and the pandemic was a scary time for me because uh my best friend you know lost his dad um to COVID, um you know which which is which is hard um and then i lost you know my auntie i lost a lot of people to the thing so it was like it was kind of like a hard time um, and i had a newborn so i was like real paranoid and stuff um, so just battling through like dealing with like that mental trauma you know what I mean but then also like you know like I like I always say my homie Stevie says he says like we eat what we kill because we hustlers you know what I mean so it's like if I don't work we don't eat you know what I mean so I was having to just like put that stuff in the back of my head and get on my job you know and um, just having that mental toughness and then having a goal writing things down um, you're not gonna reach all your goals but you know if you write them down you know, you got to wake up every day and, like, kind of do a mental check-in. Like, okay, like, I don't have time to sulk today, you know. Gotcha. And then when you wake up every morning and you got baby girl looking at you, you know, that's all the motivation I need, you know. Hell yeah. Was that something that immediately switched? Because, like, I don't have any kids yet, but yeah, I could imagine, like, once you, you know, you physically see your baby, like, does something automatically switch or was that something that took time? Automatically. Automatically. Uh, there's this clip on the internet of um, Tiger Woods' father... Uh, I think he's at like some banquet when he was like a teenager, you know, Tiger was like 18 or 19 and he's like, man, forgive me, but I get emotional when I talk about my son, you know, and like that's how much I love my daughter, you know, like it's just like the, the feeling that I had when I first saw her, because like when she like came out, like I was like the first thing she seen, I was like, oh my God, you know, and it was like, like instantly I felt like, you know, my life didn't matter anymore, like my life matters nothing anymore, you know, like everything that I do is strategic so that I could set her up, you know, for her future. Because um, my dad set us up, you know what I'm saying? So, you you know, you got to break that, that cycle, you know what I mean? So, like, my dad set me up, I got to set her up, you know? So, yeah, it was like an instant, like, well, a gratifying moment. It was instantly like, okay, like, 
you gotta like you gotta do even cooler stuff you know I ain't did nothing yet that's a super like humble way to look at it too because you've done a lot but at the same time you're also aware that you got so much more work yeah. to put in yeah I got more work to put in I mean I, I still want the mansion it's, it's you know sure. it's stuff I'm, I'm gonna go get like I've always everything I, that I've wanted in my in my journey I've gotten you know and like that's the most satisfying part to me is when I see somebody from way back because you know I know all these people right but like I'll see somebody and they'll be like yo you did exactly what you said you were gonna do and sometimes it didn't happen when I wanted it to. It might have been two years later or whatever. And I always say, like, you know, God will give you the blessing. You may not get it when you want it, but he'll give it to you when it's, it's time, when you need it, you know. Sure. But you got to just stay in the fight, you know. You can't get too high or too low. So you stay humble, hungry, you know, and you work hard. It'll come. Sure. It'll come. Aside from being, like, inspired by your daughter, like, looking at you and stuff, we're human, so we all have up and down days. Yeah. Regardless of like where we are in life, whatever we achieved. So how do you, you know, snap yourself out of it when you, whenever you have those days where it's just like gloomy? Uh, I think it's somebody that has it worse than me. You know what I mean? Um, like growing up, I got lucky because, you know, like my dad moves us to, you know, one of the nicer, you know, suburbs. I get to go to like all the nice schools and everything. But then I got my cousins that's right there. They in, they in on both sides in Chicago, Oakland. Like they in the field, you know what I mean? So it's like they didn't have it like me. You know, like, you know, their, some of their best memories was coming to stay with us in the summer times. And, and my dad is taking, you know, the whole hood to the baseball games and buying everybody hot dogs and cotton candy. And like, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I always think of like somebody that has, has it worse than me. Um, and then again, it's like I'm trying to continue to stay an inspiration you know, to all the kids back home that look up to me um, because a lot of them don't get to make it out. They don't get to see that next level. And so, you know, that's the motivation for me. Like when I feel low, I'm like, man, like there's a kid right now that that has this same feeling, but every day of the week, you know what I mean? Like, can you, can you imagine like every day of the week, you nine years old, you have to go find what you're going to feed yourself. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like those are like, like that that's where we come from like that's that's our dna unfortunately in our community you know what i'm saying for sure so it's like how can i get up and complain when like i wake up in la every day in a nice apartment you know what i mean like i didn't have it rough like what, what am i tripping over you know what i'm saying so but like those are the kids that's gonna change the world you know but they can only change the world if people like me the people like you give them that inspiration like actually show them positivity and give them something to reach for you know, not this gang banging and not all this craziness. You know what I'm saying? Like, show them, like, like great stuff. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, I think that I've always done everything my way. And I feel like that's why everybody rock with me. Because it's like, you're going to get the same crazy wild Chuck. But, you know, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you 150% passion. And, and, and I'll, I'll literally, like, put my life on, on the line for my people. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, for them to be able to live their dreams. You know, like Drake is, you know, that's my favorite rapper, you know, and obviously we got a lot of OVO affiliation, so shout out to the OVO family. But he has a line on, uh, on Club Paradise, it's my favorite Drake line ever. He says, uh, I need credentials for every one of these Toronto kids. I promise they see it with me, we just trying to live. You know, like, that's how I feel. I need credentials for every last one of them Chicago kids, you know. And that's why I'm so grateful to people in this industry because they've always looked out for me. I don't know what a plus one is, because they know like, it's, it's, we coming deep, you know, I need plus 10, plus 20, and they always look out for me, you know, because 
sometimes that one moment, that one award show, that you like, oh, it's going to be super long, whatever. Like, there's people that would literally die just to feel that one time, sure. you know? So you can't take that for granted at all. Smooth. All right. Before I get into this next question, uh, I do want to, like, definitely shout out your dad. Like, I never met him, but yeah. just from what you spoke of now and also from, like, last time when you're talking about how you scored that ring with the Warriors. Yeah. There was a valuable gem that he dropped on you. Like, would you mind, like, sharing that? Because you were into balling and everything. And he kind of made that connection. So when you said it, I was like, damn. Yeah. The way that lined up is, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my dad is, uh, is, is a big legend back home in Chicago. You know, uh, like I said, you know, from the projects, man, like, we went from the bottom to the top. He literally led us there. You know what I mean? Like, he came up, you know, super rough, raw, rugged, you know, uh, made no excuses. And... Uh, my dad's my hero because he did everything the right way. You know, when you grow up in, in, in certain communities, there's so many trappings that's out there. And, you know, my granddad also didn't play that, you know, at all. But, like, my dad's very self-made. You know, he's a self-made millionaire, you know, um, and did it the honest way. You know what I mean? And that's what I love. Um, but, you know, he played ball. He's in the Hall of Fame in his high school. And, you know, he went D1. He did all of that cool stuff. And so, like, that was, like, the life that, like, you know, was put in front of me you know and I very much wanted that you know but then I didn't grow to be 6'2 six, 6'3 six, you know like him and my younger brother got the height you know what I mean uh, but he told me you know when my playing career was coming to a close and stuff you know he said Chucky he said you know you're not gonna go pro but you can go pro in life and I think that's a gem that everybody needs to hear especially because when you're young like even with these young kids rapping and trying to hoop or whatever like you know, you can go pro in life. You know, for every LeBron, there is a Stuart Scott or a Steve Weich. Um, you know, there's a Nicole Lynn, you know, she's killing it. African-American, you know, agent, you know, she out here and doing her thing. She just went over to Clutch Sports, so congratulations to Nicole on that move. But like, you can go pro in life, you know, and sometimes, you know, those people outlast the people that do make it, uh, you know. There's people that make it to the league and play one, two seasons. You know, and then there's broadcasters that make an honest, great living every year, you know, so they went pro in life. So that was the gym that my dad gave me. Um, and it always stuck with me. Damn, that's crazy. That's smooth. Yeah, that's, that's game. For real, before we skate out, your dad gave you that gym. What gym would you give to anybody listening, whether it's a kid, male, female, anybody? What's a universal gym you would drop? That right when you think everything's going bad, it's really about to go right. That's the gym, I, I would say. You know, I've had moments where I literally just was like, okay, I didn't try everything. It's not going to happen. And then that blessing would literally fall from the sky. Uh, but it's because I was sending my praises up. You know, they say you're supposed to praise them when things is good and you're supposed to praise them when things is bad. So that would be my advice. It's just like when you can't see the light, like somebody sees it and that might be the person that saves you and brings you into the light you know like each one teach one like we got to reach back and, and, and sometimes somebody got to get you there you know it's okay to like get a little bit of help you know like even me like I feel like I'm very much self-made because I am you know because I, I, I had to will myself to go to some of these places you know and some of these things I did to get where I'm at you know but like you know just because somebody tells you to come to the gym at six in the morning you know like yeah, you don't want to do it, but you do it because you're trying to get there. You might get there at 5.30 on some Kobe Bryant type stuff. So yeah, you're very self-made, but like there was somebody that like saw that in you and told you, hey, I'll come to that gym with you at 5.30 and 6. I'll rebound for you. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, 
when you can't see the light, somebody sees the light in you, you know. So don't give up. You keep pushing forward, man. And um, my old coach back in um, high school told me, excuses are the nails that built the house of failure. So don't make them, you know, because nobody wants to hear them. Just keep working, you know. That's all people respect is that work. It's the, it's the reason everybody want LeBron to go get more rings, you know what I'm saying? It's like one ring really should be enough. If you're a champion, you're a champion. They can't take it from you. But people just respect more, more and more wins. And that's what I'm going to go get. And that's, that's what we all about. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's dope. Shit. Uh, anything you want to shed light on? Like uh, anything you want, you know, got coming out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a really book, uh, big book deal coming out uh, later this fall. Yeah. With uh, one of the best players in the NFL. Um, so look out for that. It's about his life story. He's got a crazy life story. He's such a wonderful dude. Um, so we got that coming out. And then hopefully that'll lead to some even bigger things for him. Uh, I have a big time TV special that should be dropping uh, end of this year with one of the uh, youngest superstars in the world um, that I'll be uh, co-producing. Um, so look out for that. And uh, I have a documentary that more or probably will come out next year uh, with a hip hop icon um, that we're in the process of uh, taking to the market right now. So those are three things that are coming. Uh, we just launched our day party series, the Soul Sunday, um, you know, parties that we do. We, we, we went global, you know. Got to pull up. Yeah, we got to pull up. Everybody come out. We did the first one this past Sunday and we sold it out. So uh, shout out to everybody for just supporting me, man. Like that just was like, I haven't even got time to reflect on that, but ain't got time for reflection. We trying to win multiple titles, you know, but we got that coming. So shout out to, um, to Cole and, and to Julian um, and everybody on the team that's supporting that and Alana and everybody. So. Yeah, those are some of the things that I got coming, like, currently. Um, and then, you know, my daughter just started her music class, so, you know, she might she might have a gift, man. She She's doing some things that are, like, abnormal for a one-year-old musically, so you never know where that may lead, you know? Your sure, daddy huh? some of that Matthew Knowles and Joe Jackson money, you know? For sure, man. Uh, but, yeah, that's it, man. You know, just just trying to stay stay out the way, stay happy, stay healthy. Oh, man. Thank you for giving your time, your energy. For sure. Uh, just value in general. For sure, well, matter of fact, where can people follow you too? Like, yeah, uh, Twitter is at uh, Chucky Walton, C H U C K Y W A L T O N, uh, and then Instagram is at Instagram Chuck. Um, you know, Instagram Chuck. So make yeah. sure y'all follow, man. Yeah, tap in there, man. And um, yeah, if anybody ever needs anything, man, feel free to DM me, and you know, I'll definitely you know reach back. Dope, man. But once again, thanks for giving your time, your energy. Man, thanks for having present. me, man. I love man. the sh I love the show and what you're doing, bro. So thanks, man. it's it's truly an honor, man. I thank you. Appreciate it, man. With uh, that dope dialogue, we out. Hey, we gone. Smooth. Shot town. Appreciate it, boy. You know I got you, bro. For real, man. <laughs>